Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I want to start by talking about The Last Dance. I don't know if you've even been watching the docu-series about the Chicago Bulls basketball team in their last season. It's a long series, been on ESPN. Well, one of the most colorful players for the Bulls was Dennis Rodman. You may remember him. He's about just as famous as Michael Jordan all around the world. He's got the colorful hair. Well, one night, an ESPN reporter asked Dennis Rodman about his preoccupation with death. And the reporter asked him if he thought he would go to heaven or hell. And Rodman said, I'm kind of on a fine line between heaven and hell. And the reporter said, so do you think you're going to go to purgatory when you die? He said, no, no, I'm not going to go to purgatory when, you die. when I die. I'm probably going to go to hell. He said, but I'm working on it. I'm working on making the good things in my life outweigh the bad things. And hopefully one day I'll be floating on the white clouds of love. People in our world have some pretty interesting ideas about what does it look like to have eternal life. Some think if you're just better than bad, then you're going to get in. Others have some other thoughts about what it means to go to heaven. But what does the Bible say? How do you know you're going to go to heaven? Like, do you really know that? How do you know you're not going to be cast out into hell forever? I mean, we have funerals in this church all the time, and there's funerals that happen all over the world. And probably 99.99% of the funerals I've been to, everybody says they're in heaven. Really? How do you know that? If someone asked you right now, how can I get to heaven, not go to hell? How can I have a relationship with God? Would you be able to tell them? If you can't tell them, I'm not going to make you feel guilty right now. But hopefully by the time we're done, you'll have a very clear explanation on what does it mean that when we die, we will be accepted by God forever and not rejected and cast out forever. That is why this morning's message is the most important message that I could give. And we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3. We've been going to the book of Philippians. And in Philippians 3, we have Paul coming to this point now where he's been talking about opposition internally. And now he talks about some opposition externally. And the people that are opposing Paul's message are people that have been perverting the gospel. And we'll call these people Judaizers. We're calling them Judaizers because they say in order to get to heaven, get this, you must put your faith in Jesus plus you must do something else. You must put your faith in Jesus plus you must keep the Old Testament law. And what Paul is going to do this morning, he's going to cut them to pieces, speaking, and he's going to give us the truth of the gospel. And this is where you need to land. So let me just show you where we're going, and then we're going to go through it, and you're going to see what we're talking about as we go through the passage. So let me give you some overview. We're going to talk about works righteousness. We're going to talk about not our accent, but his descent. And then we're going to talk about faith righteousness. And don't get lost in these. These are really easy concepts to understand. Stick with me. 
sticks with the text. So let's start with works righteousness. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Paul had previously written to the Philippians, and here he is telling them again in order to protect them from heresy. Verse 2. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. He's speaking to those who oppose the gospel, and he considers them dogs. These are not the nice little groom things that you see on leashes. These dogs back then were ravaging packs who would run around, and they were nasty and disgusting. You would not pet them, or you would get your hand bit off. These are the dogs he's referring to, but they're people. And he says specifically that they are evil workers, and he calls them the false circumcision. Another translation says that they are mutilators of the flesh. Is because these dogs, these evil men, were saying, in order to go to heaven, you must have faith in Christ, plus you must keep the Old Testament law. And that plus of keeping the Old Testament law is that you must be circumcised. Like, what's the big deal about circumcision? Why is there such false teaching in the early church about faith in Christ plus circumcision? A uh, little background here. Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham promised him land, an inheritance, multitude of descendants. And the sign of that covenant was circumcision. And so now we come into the New Testament times, and what the Judaizers are saying is that, okay, we're going to take Jesus, we're going to keep the law, and we're going to keep circumcision in order to get in good with God. But the reality is, is that when Jesus came, he came to bring something new. And he indeed brought a circumcision, but it wasn't a physical circumcision, but it was circumcision of the heart. Look at verse 3. Paul says, For we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So Paul calls the believers the true circumcision which means that our old hearts are gone, new hearts are in the place by the work of the Holy Spirit. We are the true circumcision, the true believers. We worship by the Holy Spirit of God. We rejoice in Jesus Christ, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Stop there. What does it mean to put confidence in the flesh? These are people who seek to get in good with God by making themselves good. These people here thought they could get into heaven. They could earn salvation by their works. And I guarantee you, someone listening right here in this room today, or many someone listening on Facebook right now, thinks in order to get into heaven, they need to believe in Jesus and be good. And when you think that you can add to your salvation, you destroy salvation. Because what you're doing, you are overestimating your goodness and underestimating your sinfulness. 
And so you may go to a certain church or be a part of some religion that says in order to get into heaven, you must jump through hoops. Let me show you an image from this book by Michael Horton called Putting Amazing Back into Grace. It's like a preacher preaching from his pulpit to the church and trying to get people to jump through hoops to be saved. He may be preaching about good things, but they are secondary and not primary. He's treating people like they're the animals who have to jump through the hoops to get saved. And you've heard this before, right? So in order to be saved, you've got to put faith in Jesus, plus you absolutely must be baptized. You must put faith in Jesus, plus you must do the sacraments. You must put faith in Jesus, and you have to take communion, and you have to go through all of these hoops of confession, and when it's all said and done, maybe, just maybe, God will let you in. But we're not circus animals. We're not meant to jump through hoops. But that's just what these Judaizers are doing. Jump through hoops to be saved. It's all up to you and what you can do. And what Paul's going to do is he's going to say, all right, I'll challenge you. If you think you're awesome and you can get into heaven by your good works, I will challenge you and beat you because I have advantages over you by birth and I have advantages over you by actions. Look what Paul says. He's going to try to one-up these Judaizers and says, and he's going to say, I'm the best hoop jumper ever. Look at verse 4. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. So first he starts with his advantages of birth. He says, you know what? Circumcised on the eighth day, just like God's law says. So his parents did it right. Next he says that his roots go back to the nation of Israel, and not just the nation of Israel, but the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin produced the first king. And his parents were Hebrews, so Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, so he has the right credentials. He has advantages by birth. And not only by birth, he has advantages by achievement. Notice that he says he's a Pharisee, which is a highly educated Jewish leader who vigorously defended and followed the Jewish law. So he was a supreme religious man. He also has zeal for the law so much that he persecuted the church. So if you think you're awesome and you can get to heaven, Paul's got you beat. His dad is the president. His mom is higher up. Paul got his degree at Harvard. He got his graduate degree at Princeton, and he went on to win the Nobel Peace Prize. He's got you beat. If you think you can get in good with God, Paul can do better. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, that's not what it's about. It's not about how awesome I can be to get in good with God, and it has nothing to do with my achievements. In fact, he's going to borderline say something like this. All of my achievements were just junk, just human waste. Yes, that word, human waste. Look what he says. Verse 7. 
But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. All the things that look impressive to you, they're a loss. And he says in verse 8, more than that, I count all things to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but, there's the word, rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Rubbish, human waste, everything that I thought was awesome to get myself in good with God, human waste. If you're going to come to God, you got to get to a point where you realize that you are just not that awesome. And how is an affront to God to think that you can jump through hoops and he's going to go, well, that, that's great. I'm, I'm going to let you in. We can just set the death of my son aside, but you're, you're coming in with me. Until you get to a point where you say, all of these achievements of mine, trying to impress God and even other people, it's just junk. It's just human waste. It's rubbish. Verse 9, verse 9, and this is where we're going to camp out on this verse. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Can we just hover over this verse? Paul wants to be found in Jesus Christ having God's righteousness and not a righteousness that comes from rule-keeping, but is a righteousness by faith. Let's attempt to define two words. Let's attempt to define righteousness, and let's attempt to define faith. And let's start off with righteousness, all right? You ready for this? In order for you to go to heaven, you have to have perfect righteousness which means that you have to keep the Ten Commandments perfectly along with all the rest of the laws, which means that even in your heart, you cannot sin. If you've ever looked at a woman lustfully, you've already sinned. If you've lied, you cheated, you've sinned. You see how you have to have perfect righteousness to get into heaven. And what Paul is saying is, guess what? can't do it. I can't do it. You couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And so what he's going to point to instead is that Paul is going to say, I need a righteousness of my own. You see it in verse 9? I need a righteousness of my own, not derived from the law. Because he couldn't keep the law. The law showed him his sin. He didn't want this kind of righteousness because this kind of righteousness could not get him into heaven. So get it. It's not about us trying to climb the stairs and ascend into heaven, but it's about Christ coming down. Let me show you this slide. It's not about our ascent, but it's about his descent. It's not about our ascent, but about his descent. Jesus is the only one who is perfect forever. Jesus came on this earth and he followed the law perfectly. He never sinned in thought, word, or deed. He obeyed perfectly. He was put on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again. 
And it is his righteousness that you need to stand before the Father spotless. Without his righteousness, you cannot stand before the Father. When we think about Jesus dying on the cross, we say, Jesus died on the cross to forgive me my sins. But that's not all. You've heard the phrase justification. We always say justification means just as if I've never sinned. No, that's incomplete. Justification means just as if I had never sinned and kept the law of God perfectly. That's justification. So in order to stand before the Father, you need your sins forgiven and you need Christ's righteousness, here's a big word, imputed to you. That is, God views you as righteous. Understand it this way, okay? Just pretend a little... I have a glass here, glass, okay, see-through. And in the glass, I have mud, I have dirt, I have rocks, I have bunch of junk in this glass. It represents your life, it represents sin, okay? So you trust in Jesus to forgive you for sins. We get rid of all the junk, dump it all out, we clean out the glass. It's a pure glass. Is that enough to get into heaven and stand before the Father? No, it is not. You must also have righteousness. So imagine pouring in pure water clean righteousness. So take it to your life. You need your sins forgiven and you need righteousness credited to you by faith, not your works, but his work. It's not about you ascending to heaven. It is about Christ descending, coming down, living the perfect life, dying death that you could not die and rising again so that you can be accepted by the Father forever. And you're like, oh, I want some of that. How do I get in on that? Well, it's not by jumping through hoops of baptism, which is great. It's not by jumping through hoops of taking communion, which is absolutely amazing. It's not by jumping through hoops, hoops, hoops. It is by, you ready for this? Faith alone in Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 9. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So God doesn't want you to say, you need to clean up your act before you come to me. God declares you righteous on the basis of faith. Now, here's the deal. What does faith mean? We live in a country where a lot of people grew up in churches. They say, raise your hand, walk an aisle, put your faith in Jesus, and you'll live forever. And don't let everybody tell you to doubt it. You'll live forever. And yet you meet a lot of those same people who are not following Jesus. What's the problem? I think it's a misunderstanding of faith because we think faith means mental assent to ideas. If you go up and talk to those same same people who are living their lives in sin, you say, did Jesus live a perfect life? They say, sure he did. Did Jesus die on the cross? Sure did. Did he rise again? Sure did. Do you believe these things? Yes. 
then you're going to heaven. No. Because faith is more than mental assent to facts. Because demons believe the facts. Demons know Jesus lived a perfect life. They believe he died on the cross. They believe he rose again. But demons are not saved. So faith is not mentally agreeing with facts. That's not faith. That's not what we're talking about. So what is faith? Well, faith means you're all in. Faith means you take your entire life and you say, here you go, Jesus, whatever you want to do. Faith means you turn away from yourself. You repent. I give you everything. It's not just agreeing with facts. Think about it this way. Think about this. This may be helpful for you, okay? Years ago, maybe you've done this before, but years ago, there's a group visiting uh, the National Mint, you know, where they make coins. There's a big coin shortage right now, but back, you know, back then they used to make a lot of coins. And, and there was a workman while these group of visitors were going through, and they were in the smelting works of the area. And, and the workman said, hey, look, if you do this, you just take your hand and just dip it in water, and, and then I'll pour some big scoop of molten metal on your hand, and it's not going to hurt at all. Who wants to try it? And he went up to this husband and said, hey, there was a couple there. He said, husband, hey, you want to try? Just dip your hand in the water, and I'll put some molten metal, and it's not going to hurt you at all. And the husband's like, I'll take your word for it. And then he went to the wife and said, what about you? She said, I'll do it. Thrust her hand to the water, pulled it out, scoop of molten metal, poured it on her hand. She was fine. What's the difference between the husband and the wife? Well, the husband's like, well, I'll just take your word for it. And the wife, she was all in. You see that? That's faith. I'm all in. Jesus, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to take me, I trust you to save me from my sins. I give you my entire life. I'm not just agreeing with facts, historical facts. I'm saying, you know, I'm going to confess you with my mouth. I'm going to believe in my heart. I'm going to give you everything. You are Lord. And I'm wondering, have you really done that? And for those of you watching online, have you really done that? Have you been like, okay, I'm walking this way, serving myself, living in sin. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn around. I'm not just going to agree with facts. Those, those realities happen. I'm going to give you my whole life, Jesus. And you just like throw your whole life on Christ by faith. Just give him your whole life. Because when you stand before God one day, what's it going to be like? Whose record are you going to rely on? Are you going to rely on your faulty record or the perfect record of Jesus Christ? Think about it. Think about it. I would hate to be pastoring this church and someone comes up and asks you and say, if you died right now, how do you know God's going to accept you? And if, if you say, God's going to accept me because I've been a good person, I'm just going to fall over dead. I would hate to be pastoring people at this church who would give that answer. Are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in Jesus Christ to save you? The reality is all of us have a short life. It's almost over. We're going to be standing for God soon. Are you trusting in your works or the works of Jesus Christ? 
Are you just playing this little mental ascent game or have you thrown your life and your heart upon Christ for mercy and forgiveness? Right now, you can put your faith in Jesus right now today. Does it not matter if you've been going to church your whole life? Does it not matter how many hoops you can go, you've gone through? You may think that it was your confirmation class that saved you or your baptism that saved you and you're relying upon your works. But you can put your faith in Jesus Christ right now. You don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to walk an aisle right now. In your heart, you can confess your sins and put your faith in him right now to forgive you and to give you his perfect righteousness to stand before God forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And just ask yourself, like, whose record of obedience are you trusting in? Whose record of goodness are you trusting in? Christ or your own? Be honest. If you feel like that you need to make up the deficits you think the cross does not provide, and confess your sins of that false arrogance and pride and righteousness. Maybe you've just mentally been ascending in your head to facts, but not truly trusting Christ in your heart. Maybe you're one of those who just walked an aisle and raised a hand and you've just been going through the motions, and yet you've not trusted Christ. You've not been all in trusting him. Lord Jesus, may we see that you give grace, you give mercy, you give perfect righteousness. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us when we try to rely on our works. Help us to trust in you, even as believers. Help us to continue to go back to the gospel of grace and forgiveness and mercy. And give us confidence that when we stand before you, it's not about us. It's all about you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.